In this episode, we talk about Blackstone, the behemoth investing group. I am Darren. I'm Catherine. This is Real Estate Money and Marriage. Did an episode a while ago called The Four Concerns, where you react to my four concerns about this real estate market is on a video I did. And my four concerns, we've been talking about going in depth with those because a lot of those things seem to be coming true right now. And we'll be continue to talk about this in this episode. So this article comes from moneywise.com. Headline is Blackstone is preparing a record 50 billion. Yikes. Billion with a B. That's bigger than a million. That's much more. That's than one more zero. And uh, yeah, and much, just it's enormous. So it's preparing a record $50 billion vehicle to scoop up real estate bargains during the downturn. Here's how to lock in higher yields than the big money. So it's about, I guess, how to beat Blackstone if you're an investor. But anyways, that's the headline. Before we get into the story, what's your take on this? I mean, immediately, just after reading that headline, it makes me want to go buy something just so Black or whatever, Blackstone. Blackstone is a subsidiary of BlackRock. Yeah, I just want to buy something just so they can. Yeah, so one of the concerns was investors are going to scoop up. I think we did that in the last episode. If buyers aren't going to buy to make it a home, investors are going to take advantage of the deals out there and then just rent to everyone and goes, well, I don't want to buy, so I'll rent. Well, there's always going to be a market for this because then we also know that we're short a certain number of homes. So then it's just the sticking point. If you're not going to buy, you're going to rent. And then so the investors win this game. If people aren't out there buying real estate and we know builders aren't building, another one of my concerns. So the article goes on residential real estate, arguably most valuable and accessible segment of real estate asset class. Here we go. Real estate investment giants continue to buy up homes, something that is likely here to stay, even with higher mortgage rates. In fact, Blackstone is close to finalizing what could be the biggest traditional private equity real estate investment fund in history, according to the Wall Street Journal. These investors aren't dealing with mortgage rates. Yeah, if they're paying with all cash, then the interest rates don't matter to them at right. all. So they're probably just getting a lower price. Interest rates go up. Maybe that means prices adjust down a little because the average person has to deal with mortgage rates. So that pushes prices down. BlackRock is like, great, here's cash. Yeah, they're not dealing. They're not dealing with mortgage rates. So that kind of stuff does not impact them the same way it impacts us. So in a regulatory filing last month, Blackstone said that it has secured $24.1 billion of commitments for its latest real estate fund called Blackstone Real Estate Partners X. The company will invest $300 million of its own capital and also has allocated an additional $5.9 billion to investors. Combined with Blackstone's real estate funds in Asia and Europe, the company will have over $50 billion available for opportunistic investments. And that means that in the event of a market downturn, Blackstone will have enough capital to scoop up some good deals. Let's do the math on this. Let's say the average home, we know the average home is 400,000. So 50 billion, help me. I don't know. I think that's one, that's two, three, one, two, three, one, two. Google's going to let you just type in billion. Can I do that? Yeah. How many zeros is <laughs> billion? We don't deal in billions very often. 50 billion divided by 400,000. See. 125,000. Actually, not that many. That's like the town of Everett. 
That's like if BlackRock bought every single house in Everett. Yeah, but that's a scary thought. Oh, wait, that's population, though. Yeah. So there's probably only about, what, 50,000 homes mm-hmm. in Everett? Or maybe even less, right? Okay. Like 2.5 to a home, probably. So there's about 40,000 homes in Everett. So that would be like if Blackstone, Blackstone bought three towns, like Everett, Lake Stevens, and Snohomish. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's in the whole country? Well, this they talked about Asia and Euro. And, okay. and so like that, I guess that's another concern, but that's not really what we talk about in real estate, money, and marriage, like these worldwide conspiracy things. Yeah. But the fact that they're looking to do this worldwide, that they have these funds. Yeah, that is a lot of homes. That's a lot of homes. So that seems to me like enough to make a difference in the market, mm-hmm. to increase prices. And then especially just realizing they likely will be paying for these homes with cash. If you are a current, currently a renter and you're thinking about buying, you don't want to compete with them. So I, I guess it all comes back to you should buy as soon as you can. Like if you find an opportunity when you can buy a home, you should, you should take it because you don't want to find yourself suddenly in a market where you're competing against Blackstone. Let's try to figure out how many homes are for sale right now. So if we look at active listing count, and this is from realtor.com. This would be the United States. I'm going to guess that they're only doing the United States, not all of North America. This is July, 2022. That'd be 747,526 homes. So about 750, so about three quarters of a million. Okay. And then if BlackRock, let's say, decided to buy all the homes at one time, like 125,000, they're buying that's about one sixth. So that's about 15% of all the active inventory. So think about that. Which they probably wouldn't buy all at one time, but I'm just trying to give context and perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. That'll be a lot of lot of inventory for them to eat up. That's a big market shift. And as we've talked about in last episodes, if builders stop building, like builders, I can't remember what we did on that episode of how many New home start started in June of this year with something like 93 or 96,000 or something. So that'd be like if BlackRock just said, hey, all the homes that you're going to build this month and probably next month, we just want them all. Well, so if you look here, it says 747,000 and that's up 30% year over year. So if BlackRock came along and bought 15% of that. That's still up year over year, 15%, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm doing the math a little bit wrong there, but approximately we'd still be higher than last year. But we'd be kind of back to a more similar market, similar to like last year. I'm sorry. I'm not following you. What are you looking at? Okay. So the inventory is 750,000-ish, which it says right here, that's up 30%. I don't, but look at how far actually we are off. I don't think you should include pandemic years. Okay. So 2020 and 2021, look at what these numbers should be. They should be 1.2, 1.3, 1.4 is what the normal, the amount of homes for sale. Now keep in mind, there's more people. Like there should be way more inventory if we want to balance market. So we're 50% off really. So even this increase. Even now where it feels like the market has taken a dip, because it has, we're still really short. We're super short inventory. Sure, to compare it to I mean, this is like when people go, oh, foreclosures are up 700%. That's because you could not foreclose on someone for the last two years. Right. So, of course, they're up. Yeah. So, 
if you look at inventory, oh, it's up 30% year over year. Forget the last two years, throw it out the window. It doesn't matter. Go back to 2017, 18, 19. The average inventory that we should be carrying each month should be about 1.3 million homes. Right. So we're still, yeah, only about half of that. So we're still way short. Yep. And this is what drove up the prices that there wasn't in the inventory. This is why there was 20, 30 buyers for every home because there's no homes for sale. And now the problem is, is that all these homes are for sale. Buyers got out of it. And these are all investors getting into it. That's my concern. And we're probably going to start to see this number drop or flatline at least as builders pull back now. And investors get excited and they get in. So closing thoughts on this, I don't know, I'm kind of tooting my own horn and patting myself on the back as I did this four concerns thing. And it feels like it's coming true. Yeah, everything seems to, I mean, inventory seems to be the name of the game. Like that's a huge deal. It affects home values. And um, yeah, the market's a little bit soft. Yeah, we have a little bit more inventory, but we still have a huge shortage. Yeah, I just think if you still want to make a house a home, if you want to get into a certain school district, if you plan on being somewhere for a while, I still think right now is a great time to buy. And I know there's home affordability issues. I totally get that. But I do think that we are going to see what's it called? Inflation, wage inflation, catch up over the next six months to 18 months that people will start getting pay increases. And I don't necessarily know what's happening at the top end. And I know that there's some people being laid off and that has to do with recessions, inflation and stuff like that. But we see this happening at the low end that someone that was maybe making eight to $10 an hour at a minimum wage job, we see those signs up everywhere of like 16, 17, $18 an hour for working in a fast food restaurant. So we're seeing wage inflation increase at the bottom end. If we are technically in a recession, because they say that we're not, if inflation is supposed to be stagnating and flatlining and we start coming out of this soon, then I think as these places that have laid off or did a hiring freeze, now they have to hire. They're going to have to hire people for more money and increase the wages because you can't give like a lot of unions, for example, have an increase in their contract for inflation. Like a cost of living yearly yeah. thing, like you get a 2% raise every right. year. Yeah. Well, it's inflation and cost of living is 8%, 10%. That has to go up 8 to 10%. You can't give them a 2% increase and go, hey, very good, live on that. So I think we're going to see wages increase. It's not going to happen overnight, but over the next six months, 18 months, those things will start to catch up. And then home prices, the affordability might be a little bit closer to that. And my thought, which is relevant in that we haven't touched on exactly this yet, but that lower end of like the fast food restaurants are hiring, like we see KFC starting at sixteen fifty per hour or something, which seems like that's so high. And you might be thinking, well, that person's not going to go buy a half million dollar home or a $400,000 home. Maybe not, but their rent is probably going to go up. And maybe that does, you know, maybe that causes them to want to buy a home. Maybe they can't, but maybe, you know, their roommate does. Or maybe rents in general go up, which I think tends to put a lot of upward pressure on 
housing prices too, because renters get sick and tired of spending so much on rent that they want to strongly consider buying their own home. Yeah. And so the thing I'd add to that, because I, I do see the argument online all the time, and I know someone's thinking this, like, oh, minimum wage person is going to go buy a home, Catherine. Oh, you're so stupid. I don't know why people get so stuck in their head on this. It's probably my biggest frustration. And if I ever have to deal with someone like this in person, I always have to bite my tongue. But when they complain about home prices and that the average home price is so unaffordable, hey, you know what? The average home price isn't the bottom. It's not the least expensive home you can buy. It's the average. It's the average. So when someone says like average home price is four hundred dollars or $500,000, guess what? There's really nice homes for 300000 There might be a nice condo for two fifty. Like, stop getting stuck. The average is the bottom. Right. Maybe this person who works at KFC and they're making sixteen fifty per hour, maybe they just manage their money kind of well. Maybe they work a little bit of overtime. Maybe that means they can buy a nice two-bedroom condo for two seventy five, And that condo seller can now go buy a $500,000 house or a $600,000 house. These are more buyers entering the market. Well, it's so it's not very different than what you did. That person, let's use that scenario real quick. That person decides I'm going to buy. They get a down payment or they come up with a minimal down payment of three and a half percent. So three and a half percent on a dollars $300,000 condo, $30,000. Oh, it's a lot of money. Maybe they're gifted something. Maybe. Maybe they saved it. Uh, maybe they've been saving for 15 years. Maybe they save it. But guess what? If they buy the two-bedroom condo and then they get their roommate that they're currently renting with to move in with them, now half their mortgage is being paid. That's the game. That's what some people do. Not everyone does that because they want the dream home. They don't want the condo. And they get stuck that an average price is the bottom instead of going, you know, hey, uh, I'm better off owning this asset, this asset that is increasing in value and I'm paying down the principal every single month. I'm actually getting ahead instead of continuing to pay rent. Some people know how to play the game. Some people complain about the way that the game is played. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Money and Marriage Podcast with Catherine and Darren. And when you're ready, here's four things that you can do right now. Number one, make sure you're subscribed to this show, whether you're watching or listening. If you're watching, you can also click the like button, click the thumbs up button. Number two, if you're a first time homebuyer, get a free guide, seven costly mistakes homebuyers make. Visit costlymistakeshomebuyersmake.com. Number three, if you're selling your home, get access to our Get Sell Ready Guide and Checklist. It'll show you how to get your home ready without spending a fortune or wasting your nights and weekends updating and remodeling your home. Visit GetSellReady.com. And number four, start a smart moves conversation with us. Get clarity about what to do next, get your questions answered, your concerns taken care of, and an action plan customized to your timeline. You can schedule a call with us at SmartMovesCall.com or start a chat with us. Visit M.me slash Persinger Group.